welcome to our third episode. This is the second part of a two-part series where we walk through a stateful distributed system. Join us as we take apart the famous Apache Kafka so as to look under the hood and understand more of the amazing engineering and computer science that's gone into building it. In this part, we'll talk about Apache Zookeeper, the best kept secret in a lot of open source distributed systems. We'll also touch upon clients, atomic broadcasts, and things that can hurt availability. Hope you enjoy the ride as we walk the route taken by messages through Apache Kafka. Remember to subscribe for more interesting deep tech conversations. You know, our last podcast, we spoke about the concept of, uh, you know, how these distributed systems are, they, they, they spread, right? They're, they go right up mm-hmm. to the edge. So your app, distributed and distributed application includes the clients. So, you know, so the clients are not just, you know, you open up curl and send a request. It's more than that. The client is, is holding information. It's being part of this, you know, in certain cases, the client, uh, you know, holds latency, figures out which broker to connect to and, and helps with load balancing. So there's, you know, the client, don't, don't think of the client as a dumb client. It, it's actually part of exactly. the whole application. It's very important to remember that the client is a part of the system and the clients can here can be consumers and producers. Now, um, there are clients and there are brokers. Brokers um, are basically, so the, 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 uh, the brokers, as we talked about this, we can have multiple brokers. And um, also the topics of could be partitioned. Um, now for uh, so brokers are the ones that actually yeah. store the logs yes, on exactly. disk um, so. and um kind of and um yeah. are there any other pieces here really? and and, well, and the consensus between between the brokers happens using something called zookeeper zookeeper so is some it was a a consensus software developed at Yahoo. So it's um it's actually there's two we should differentiate two cases where you have consensus like things happening. There's one case where you have the replication within between the brokers happening, and there's Zookeeper is used to keep track of those offsets. Yes, and Zookeeper is a consensus implementation with a very kind of nice file system like API, where you can able to do say like you know you want to notify when this file gets deleted and when this file gets created, and you want to updated, then you want to make sure, yeah, so that's, there's, it has a very kind of very thorough API. Uh, there's something called Znode, and a Znode is like a file in a sense. It can have context, it can have versions, and there are different ways that you can set watches on those Znodes, that is, you can have notifications uh, that something has happened to the Znode, uh, and you can do conditional creation. Um, the API is, in many ways, kind of first time when you do it's actually beautiful. It, I, I I thought it was ingenious. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, the way it was kind of designed to be generic. You the, the API, so, um, the Zookeeper API, what I love about the Zookeeper API is that it forces you to think this may fail, this may not work. And while I found it to be kind of somewhat frustrating to use, like, okay, there is all these callbacks you have to set or all of these kind of like, all of these conditions you have to handle. But in a way that it's great because um, mm-hmm. there's such a thing as a leaky abstraction and um, with Zookeeper, it's deliberately not a leaky abstraction. One leaky abstraction, for example, is I mentioned TCP ordering guarantees. Is that yes, most of the time you don't need to think there is you don't know you can assume that it's going to be ordered and there is no way to detect if it's not ordered. But there are cases. There will be cases. Usually, it's because of a bug that may be lost. Now, um, 
but that would be like those cases are pretty rare but that's an example of a leaky api or ethernet itself is not very tough and i i believe it's a, some derivative of paxos the actual protocol yes. it's not like zookeeper is something called zookeeper atomic broadcast so you know how I mentioned reliable multicast, like atomic broadcast, actually what I wanted to say. Mm -hmm. Atomic broadcast, um, but it's really the same thing as consensus as they've talked about in an earlier part. Um, and um, mm -hmm. you have a Zookeeper cluster. And, and, it's and, and you know, just want to, uh, you know, kind of drop a point in there. So for those who want to like play around with this and, you know, maybe they think Zookeeper with Java is, uh, you know, like they don't want to deal with the JVM, for example, a lot of people, you know, on their laptops don't. Uh, ETCD is the new is a Go implementation. It's not it's not a match. Yeah. It's not a Zookeeper implementation, right? but it's a very similar uh, API. It uses Raft. It's much similar to understand, and it's in well, Go and it's widely fact, used. If now. you look at the Raft and the Zap <laughs> algorithms are very similar. In fact, like I remember, there was a little bit of friction because, like you know, people like the Zap guys are like, "Hey, we had we're doing exactly the same thing." Yes, it's effectively multi-paxos, but it is making certain optimization that is using the TCP ordering guarantee um, that is provided by TCP attack itself to having avoid doing multiple rounds of access and multiple round trips. That's a huge oversimplification, by the way. But yes, it was developed at Yahoo um, and it was used for configuration, um, but also it was like one of the use cases was used was trying to deal with the single point of failure that was the name node, but it's very, a lot of systems use it. HBase is another distributed system that uses it. But basically, yes, a lot of pretty much you can also use it for service discovery. You, you know, it, it's really elegant. True. Um, and there's a lot of, there's also um, third-party APIs which make it a little bit easier to use. But yeah, at CD is another implementation. It's also console. Uh, those are based on, on Raft. Um, but yes, but this is, uh, but that's another example of like, oh, how they're different. Like, you know, there are multiple ways of achieving the same thing. Now, going further, um, you have basically each broker, broker um, basically you have a registry of all the nodes for, for the brokers so that you don't need to specify the list of all of them when the client is connecting. They just need to cut, um, connect to the bootstrap servers and then that will later go and um, you find all the other ones through Zookeeper, uh, which is another nice thing about Zookeeper. It's very easy to implement software load balancing or service discovery with it. And then there is a Zeno in Zookeeper per topic, per topic, per partition, um, and uh, kind of, and those are accessed by all of these brokers. And that is um, effectively is basically, so you have a Zookeeper is essentially providing consensus for metadata. So, so, so Z node would I, you know, for everyone else, I, I think you could equate a Z node to say uh, like a file or a directory, like uh, a directory. Yeah, a directory, that's probably and, a more, yeah. And, and a directory that's kept in sync between many machines. So essentially all the information that needs to be synced between uh, all the brokers related to a topic is kept in that one Z node, which Zookeeper manages. So all of them like come in and say, hey, what's the last count? And that count will be, you know, accurate because they've all now, decided. Again, now one thing to remember is that Zookeeper here is used for the metadata, which is the information about like about who has consumed what from the topic. Now, to actually do the replication of the log, you wouldn't be able to do it through Zookeeper. Zookeeper will very quickly fail over. Um, don't you don't try using Zookeeper as a general purpose database, by the way. Um, so, and the unit replication here is each topic partition. The topics are partitioned, and um, 
basically so then there is um the replication so that replication is separate from zookeeper and um uh kafka and then kafka itself has its own replication algorithm which is quorum um which i believe is quorum based and like you know um so one of the things that they do is that they maintain so in and it's actually quite a different algorithm i can't really talk exactly about it's it's pretty detailed and i remember when this was being designed but there is a replication algorithm it's based on forums and um kind of there there is like kind of the uh the similar the most similar design is apparently a research paper called pacifica from microsoft but basically um kafka does not do um but one of the most important things is that um you is that uh, is that instead of doing a majority vote in a quorum, which has lots of issues, you know, if you try to do a majority vote in a quorum, you're kind of, you're blocked on the slowest, on the slowest node. Basically, the slowest one is holding everybody back. Um, now, and instead, sure. you... Sounds, sounds like all that government. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. Well, instead with Kafka, the, you maintain, well, instead, there is a dynamic form of an instant replicas that are cut up to the leader. So only those that are actually in sync are eligible to be leaders, and then you do the right, and then um, the quorum sets themselves, the quorums themselves are also tracked in Zookeeper, which again is very nice in a sense that, for example, if you look at the Amazon Dynamo paper, which is by the way. So, so what we're talking about here is replication, right? Like replicating the data between brokers. So they have one copy of a log and they, they kind of split it up and no. I, I, I'm just trying to understand. Like maybe at a very high level, we should explain this. So what's happening? Like why is this replication taking place? And and uh, like yeah, like you said, we decide on a leader, and then the re everyone replicates, like pulls data from the leader. Is, is yes, that I believe how so. this happened? And also the clients have, and um, the other part is that you can is that the clients have flexibility of what guarantees they expect because you um, the clients is that so because you can commit without waiting for the slowest. Um, so in this case, actually, yes, you, you do have to wait for the slowest servers um, because it's, it's doing um, a list of instant replicas, but the client is able to see whether they block on committing a message or not. So it's, essentially you can say, yes, if you want to get the fullest guarantees, it's gonna be slower, but basically the consumer can decide themselves whether they want to actually whether they want to wait and only read what has been committed or you know try to read whatever they can so that's another thing and now the whole yeah. distributed systems world is is you know yeah. is a matter of trade-offs and that generally sometimes you know there's another common thing that happens is people design this uh, you know many teams design similar systems and then there is a bit of a fight between them you know that's very common saying oh yeah. my system's better it's just very often these systems well, just have yeah. different trade-offs. And then you pick the now, one you want, and they seem similar, but they have different use because, cases. So with this model that's based on instinct replicas, basically the guarantee that you're able to do here is that suppose that you have F plus one replicas, and then Kafka topic can then tolerate F of those failures without losing those commit messages. And I think this is actually really nice because you don't have to have a huge replication factor, um, which is kind of one of the drawbacks if you do with just basic majority vote quorum based systems, right? Because then if you want to tolerate more than just one failure, 
you need to replicate basically to have um, many different replicas. Um, one thing also, uh, as a quick aside, also that the approach is it is easy to compare this with the quorum used by um, Amazon Aurora, which also you know they're faced with the same problem. They came up with a different solution, and I'll, there's a great blog post that, on Amazon's blog which explains it, and I will um, add a link to that once we publish um, some kind of a transcript or kind of notes on this podcast. But that's important to see that there's different ways of solving it. And the other thing I like here and um, here is that the forum says themselves rather than just being discovered by every client, which is the case, which is how this was this is done in um, original Amazon Dynamo paper, um, where it's done through combination of gossip and just, gossip and just clients um, pulling that information. Um, instead, that information is stored in Zookeeper. So the view of this whole system um, is stored using a consensus protocol. Uh, but then you're able to have, but then again, this is kind of the same thing that I mentioned earlier on is that you have this kind of a system where you have, where the data itself, it does not need to be, um, where you have a, the view of the cluster is itself um, strongly consistent, even though you're allowed to have out of some out of sync replicas and some replicas that haven't fully cut up at the time. So I think that's actually quite interesting as well. Um, and it's also useful to see uh, kind of the um, to compare how this is stored in other systems as well. Okay. How how does Kafka handle say you know ordering? Well, uh, the ordering of, of messages. messages that because the messages are written sequentially and because you're storing the offset in Zookeeper. Um, and again, when you're doing the right uh, when you're writing a message, if you're sending messages from the same client, it doesn't matter if you're sending it to to one broker or multiple; they will be delivered in order again. And then also, is there some sort of an ID generation? Uh, no, I think there's no, well, yeah, you Zookeeper. Yes, the offset is your ID, right? Okay, I, yes, okay, that makes sense. Sorry. When you're writing the messages yeah. themselves, you don't need to. There's also you get something for free from TCP. That is, when a single client is connecting, all messages from a single client can be assumed as coming in order. So all they need to know is their offset, and then the rest of this can be assumed to be delivered in order way, no matter to how many replicas. And at the same time, all the messages that have been. Um, all the messages that are delivered to the same, to the same, uh, to the same broker, you know, they're also going to be there. Is basically all of them are kind of, it, it's another point of serialization, basically. So you serialize it and get the ordering by going through, by going through the leader, uh, and that's also similar to the way that is done in Raft and Paxos, uh, in Raft and Zap. Um, so. Um, so this is kind of this is it's actually a pretty complex um, algorithm for replication. There's a whole section about it, but um, the bottom line is that yeah, that's yeah. for another day. So I that's think that's why kind of I wanted to, to um, fit it in. skip over this because you know yes, mm -hmm. but, uh, the the high point is that Zookeeper is used for one thing, but there is also its own replication, which also has this interesting design and is based on different set of trade-offs than Zookeeper, and as well as different set of trade-offs that other systems have used for quorum-based replication as well. And that's definitely worth looking to read through this and compare it with, um, well, let's say some of the public blog posts from the Amazon Aurora team on how Amazon Aurora itself does quorums, which is different. 
So essentially, it's kind of like distributed systems yes, within distributed systems. Well, yes, I mean, broker is distributed, and then, yes, it's, or really, it's one distributed system. Um, but yes, you're, I guess I see what you're trying to say. Yes, you're using another distributed system to keep track of metadata, which, by the way, is also what is done at by, by HBase and Google Bigtable. If you look at the Google Bigtable paper, one of the most important parts that talked about is the use it makes of um, Chubby, which is the Google's implementation of a multi-taxas-based uh, consensus service, which inspired, um, I'm not sure if it actually inspired Zookeeper or it was developed independently, but um, it is kind of, it, it is. That's another good paper. I read that, I think, I, I don't even remember how many years. made live from Google, which I believe covers Chubby. I'm not sure if it's a separate paper. Chubby yeah, has, Chubby has its own paper, has but it is it is a real practical taxes implementation. And Bigtable is like one of the, that's one of the other big things about Bigtable is, is its use of that um, consensus of consensus protocol. Um, again, because the data now in Bigtable itself, also what's interesting uh, kind of as a site, as a detour, Bigtable uses uh, GFS. GFS has also somewhat weaker consistency system model. And yes, that's it's a file, file system. system so right? yeah. Bigtable is writing to that file system, and then you have multiple tablet servers. That's that's another use case. Uh, you know, another example of uh, you know a distributed system running exactly. on top of and, a um, distributed and system, and with offering all kinds of different guarantees. So you have kind of like more, I would say, I wouldn't say eventual, but relaxed, um, ordered but relaxed consistency in GFS, um, and then you have strong consistency chubby and then you have yet another um kind of yet you also have strong consistency but with um lower availability in big table itself so that's actually one of the other things to talk about is that like mm -hmm. it's time that we mentioned the cap theory and it has been overly discussed everywhere but i want to make some very important points is that you talk about um DAP, um, consistency, which again is not the same thing as database consistency, but it's more like atomicity or um, it's more like atomicity and isolation. That is um, all of the, that is you can get, you wrote a value, then you can get that value back. Um, now uh, there's availability, which in this case means you're able to take reads and writes. And then there's partition tolerance. Now that is frequently confused because people think that it only means split brain scenarios that is like some nodes are able to see other nodes, others are not able to see them. That's definitely one of those cases. And like, it can happen a lot in geographic replication, but really, if you talk about it, if you're having a machine that's having a long garbage collection, that's a partition as well. Like you're talking about basically, if you expect machines to be able to fail, but not necessarily in clean ways, or, you know, or if even if you have something like a long pause, that could itself be viewed as a type of partition tolerance. So in a sense, um, you want a system that's able to recover from those kinds of situations gracefully and not die. So it's important to think about that there is really no such thing as you, the cap series as consistency, availability, partition, tolerance, pick three. But you can't really build a reliable, or it's my opinion, it's difficult to build a reliable system that's CA, so consistent and available. And I mean, GC, GC is, uh, you know, can, that's one of the reasons they keep a lot of the data off the, you know, off the JVM on, exactly. on, on memory map systems or, you know, or uh, even so, you know, G GC basically means your machine, you know, uh, like a full GC potentially can 
basically mean your machine's out of the loop yeah. until that's complete, right? And you're working at scale that could be a while. I mean, I, I, I don't know enough about the, you know, the current situation in terms of JVM and GC, but obviously things have improved. But like in terms of Kafka, I'm sure they have, you know, tried to uh, handle that in several ways, right? I mean, it's not, you can't keep everything off heap. What about uh, the serialization, pro- uh, you know, uh, protocols, like, you know, choosing Avro over something like JSON? Because JSON may exactly. require, you know, a lot more like string. The there. Uh, going with gRPC instead of, you know, something else and, and you know, kind of keeping uh, garbage collection uh, yes. at a minimum yeah, you know, across the software like this, There are different hacks to work around garbage collection. And I mean, that might deserve its own collection, but a common one is one of the ways so, that you yeah. can do it is if it's never garbage collect, but simply reboot the machine, reboot the JVM, restart the JVM as soon as you start writing out of memory. In fact, a lot of banks do this as a supported configuration. Um, but coming back to this system ahead, you cannot really choose have a CA system. So if you look at real systems, they're typically AP, that is they're available in partition tolerance, or they're consistent in partition tolerance. And partition tolerance, but do not have high availability in strict continuous sense. But you know, on the other hand, though, if you're trying to like, you know, if you're writing a more of a marketing paper, you can say it's high, highly available in the enterprise sense because the window of an availability window, the unavailability window is manageable. So, for example, with Bigtable, if one of the tablet servers fails, um, you might have basically, or, or with HBase, um, if a tablet server fails, you need to, uh, what needs to happen, another one needs to be bred up and it needs to replay the data from the log. And while it does this, replay and applies it, you have an, an, a small interval of unavailability and usually it's pretty easy to deal with. Um, and as a result though, um, kind of the trade-off as that is the developers get a consistent view of the data at all time. Now, on the other hand, kind of going back Amazon Dynamo paper or Voldemort or Cassandra, they allow you to have a configuration where um, you can pretty much always available to take writes, but at the cost of writes, possible write-write conflicts and developers having to handle them themselves. So these are the kinds of trade-offs that you're um, that are made. Also with Zookeeper, if one of the Zookeeper nodes fails, it might take, it's not instant that another one, um, that Zookeeper will come available. But again, the client forces you to do retries. The client forces you um, to be able to, essentially the APIs are designed in a way to expose it specifically. So I think that's, um, so with, and Coming back to this point, um, it's kind of a sliding scale. These are knobs that you can tune because reality, you want all of those. Um, and that is what you get in, during a happy path. Um, but it's very interesting to see how systems, how you combine systems with very, that are in various places on that scale. Like for example, in Bigtable, you have GFS, which basically, which has pretty high availability, but not necessarily entirely always consistent. And at the same time, you have um, the tablet servers, which can go down for quite a quite a bit of time um, as another one takes over, and then you have uh, the Chubby servers that are providing consensus, and those you know those are kind of like in the middle of it. That is, it they provide high availability, um, and but yes, sometimes there may be a smaller um, downtime window, but it's typically the availability there because it's used mostly for just metadata operations can be kept higher but it's still not a highly available system. Like let's say you, you were using Amazon Dynamo. And also some systems I've seen use gossip protocols, which are 
probably the most eventually consistent you can have uh, for certain things such as soft state. And that's another point there. At the same time, they may be providing a very strong view of other data. So um, um, there are a number of systems where I've worked that was also where that was also the case where you have a strongly consistent view of the of the data. You have kind of quorum based um, replication to provide that. And then for some other kind of soft state. Uh, well, also, you know, in all of this, keep in mind, you have to also be uh, careful how yeah. many actual systems your actual, you know, hardware uh, or instances of cloud instances you're running this on because, you know, you pack it's in too many nodes yes. on the same and thing and also, that goes yeah, down. I mean, and typically, well, typically you want to collocate those, for example, with HBase, you would almost, um, I remember always we would um, collocate the, uh, um, I believe it's well. I'm gonna call it the tablet server. There's HBase has a different name for it. Um, um, those would be collocated on the same oh, region server. Uh, they would be collocated with HDFS data node, um, which turned out to be quite convenient. Um, and then the masters would be the HBase masters would be collocated with Zookeeper servers. Again, also convenient. So you can kind of collocate with them and kind of. Right now, it's also. Um, with different cluster schedulers such as um, such as Kubernetes, um, it's also become much and and these these are often like the develop. This is uh, you know often well you know this is stuff that de the DevOps side of the world knows really well, and often developers or even people working on the actual distributed system software yes. don't you know aren't fully aware yes. of some of these things you know because yeah. so in practice they don't have to be you know. The one can think of them as processes rather than as strictly nodes in a physical sense. But obviously, you know, if you want to provide, it's more of what is the domain of your failure. If you want your domain of the failure for the service to be more than just one machine, you definitely, you definitely want to be careful how you collocate them. Now, um, I think that's kind of like mm -hmm. so that's kind of the but the coming back to Kafka, it's a really good example of this kind of a system where you use different types of distributed algorithms and different kind of set of trade-offs in different parts of the system based on the actual requirements that you have. Fair enough. I mean, I, I think uh, we're already heading on yes, to you know, the 15-minute mark. Yeah. This, this is probably a few episodes, but uh, I, it was a great conversation. You know, I, I wouldn't well, cut we it can short all, for yes, we know, can, any, any reason. This concludes our conversation on Apache Kafka. We hope you enjoyed it. All the papers and blog posts we mentioned are in the description. Remember to subscribe. We plan on covering many more open source projects in the infrastructure space, as well as invite engineers working on these projects to come chat with us. And please do reach out to us on Twitter with any ideas you have for this podcast. Thanks for listening.